Hi, this is Steve. And Jen. And welcome back to How We Met Your Podcast. This is, tonight we're going to review Season 1, Episode 4, Return of the Shirt. It's a good episode. We're fans. How did you like this one? I know you just said it's good, but how about a little <laughs> more depth? I liked think? it a lot. There were a lot of laughs. There were a lot of classic lines. I think I picked out at least three that we say on a semi-regular basis. Right, that we steal from. <laughs> so, la- you know what? I've listened to the last few recordings, and I say so as a segue too much. I'm going to try and cut down on that tonight. I need a few other... Good luck. A few other segues. Anyhow, the ranking for this episode is number 58 out of the 190 or so that we have uh, to review. That's a pretty big jump. I think the best we had before was in the very low hundreds on episode number two. Surprised it's not higher. Well, you can look at my list and, I mean, you can always make arguments of one over the other. The way that I actually rank these is I use a point system. So every time something made me laugh, I'd give it a point. Every time there was something that we like to repeat and we steal from and use in our everyday lives, I gave that three points. And then every time I saw an episode that was ultimately rewatchable, um, I gave it five points. And so that was basically what my, my rankings would be. So there would often be times where there would be some episodes where I laughed a lot more, but because there was no what I felt to be classic lines or if it comes on TV, I don't really feel like rewatching it, it didn't get as many points and maybe wasn't ranked as high. It's a very elaborate system you have going. You have to have a system. I mean, you can't just do it arbitrarily. You can't just say, you know what, I think I like this one better than that one. I'm very methodical. It stands to reason. It's one of the things you love about me. It's true. So the opening of this show starts with a shirt, which is how Ted's introducing the story to his kids. And they say, a shirt? And we say, a shirt, well, the only reason I bring up that they say a shirt is because, you know, we, we always talk about, did these kids record all these things at once? How many seasons right. did they go through? So this was a very specific response to what he was saying to them. Yeah, and it's also season one, so I think they probably had a pretty clear outline of what they were going to do. So they, they I, I said so again. I'm going to have to have a so just, jar. Just lean into it. No, it's really annoying. <laughs> They cut to Ted admiring an old shirt that he pulls out of his closet, and he's got a really funny face as he's looking at it. I, I can't really describe that. it, but it's it's this, whoa, look <laughs> on his face. <laughs> what did you actually think of the shirt? That is god-awful ugly shirt. I thought it was okay. Nothing it's special. terrible. It's like paisley and green and brown. And I'm pretty sure he wears it in every single scene in the episode. He does. That's <laughs> that's a weird choice that they make in this story. But I, and well, we'll we'll, we'll come back. We'll circle back to that. But yeah, I hated it. He should have Marie Kondo that back to the thrift store or something. There was something I noticed that I pointed out to you as I watched you watching it. Is he wears his those kind of shirts in a strange way? And I noticed it first with this shirt. It sort of flares out at the very top and then comes back. And I started to notice that over the seasons, a lot of his long-sleeve button-up shirts do the same thing. In fact, one of the girls he was dating in one of the date scenes when they were reviewing his old girlfriends in this episode had her shirt doing the same thing. I don't know how they're getting the shirts to do this. Button-up shirts, as far as I've seen them on anybody, have never done that before. (laughs) 
but we'll we'll start to point it out as we go along because it almost it's almost like the the clothes. What am I thinking of? The wardrobe folks maybe ironed it down that way. Maybe someone likes it. I just don't get it how they do that. But I've never noticed that before. But I wonder if it's something to do with like how it lays when they're sitting or I mean because Barney always wears button downs but I feel like he always has a tie on yeah you can't tell Barney I don't know if Marshall ever wears button downs probably sometimes but that's not his MO right but I know Robin had I think a button down or two on this episode and she did not have that thing going on so we'll track it we go to McLaren's where they're sitting around their booth and right away as Ted walks in he gets many compliments on his new sh- on his old shirt. I mean, are they just messing with him? No. Could they genuinely like the shirt? I yeah, I think they genuinely like this genuinely like the shirt. I think that Marshall's hot top bro was <laughs> extremely authentic. <laughs> it's really an ugly shirt. Well, Robin's talking about her possibility of a promotion to the City Hall beat at Metro News 1. Well, before we get to that, we get a Random booger by Barney. <laughs> and it's revealed that Barney is trying to talk Robin into saying booger during one of her segments. And this is an interesting little quirk of Barney is where, I, I don't know if it's come up yet, but come to find out Barney has money and so he likes to just like, offer money for really random things to try to get his friends to do stuff that he thinks is funny. Yeah, it's sort of a slow reveal about how how well he does and he never really talks about what he does or he tries to to talk around it although we find out that there's a code what he's telling people at the very end of the sh- very, at the very, very end, end of the the run of the show so, I booger I I don't <laughs> like I, I like I'm glad they changed it because booger it's very pedestrian or sophomoric I, I think yeah I think going with nipple was a little better because at least that's sexually suggestive yeah I I don't care for this storyline it's Really immature, but it's Barney, so that's that's very true. There's really two storylines going on in this, and that's certainly the B plot. But the A plot definitely carries the rest of the show, oh, so yeah. I don't hate it. Right. Okay. Now, yeah, Robin's talking about how she thinks she's up for a promotion. They might have her cover the city hall beat, and we don't really see any other reporters for Metro News One. <laughs> I, I, you sort of feel like she's the only one they have, but. I mean, clearly somebody's in the studio doing the actual reporting before the last five minutes where Robin comes in. Barney, as he's trying to, as he changes it to nipple, he says, step into my web, which is an okay line. <laughs> I think it's creepy. Don't yeah, worry. you're right. It, it is creepy, and he gets, and he continues to be a little bit creepy during this this episode. Ted starts drinking a glass of bourbon that's sitting on the table, and he says, whoa, I like bourbon all of a sudden. Now, here's something I'm wondering if, if if it was a joke or not. Lily says, that was here when we got here. I don't think that was a joke. I think that's genuine. But also, why would Ted just grab somebody, like one of his friends' random drinks? <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't seem so unusual. I just couldn't tell for sure if it was really somebody else's drink. You might be right. It could have been. Not very important of the plot. But So now, now Ted's saying, you know, maybe there's other things I have to rethink. I like this shirt. I like bourbon. I need to give second opinions to other things now. All right, I'm going to try and let Roxy out because she's scratching at the back door, but it's cold and freezing rain, 
And so my guess is she's going to take a couple steps out and then walk back in. I'm not even going to pause the show right now because Roxy's a part of this show and her being let out back. There's nothing more compelling than listening to a sliding glass door open and close. <laughs> well, you know what? Actually, it's such a uh, mangy back door that I, I don't want people's ears to be damaged by the sound of this back door sliding. So I think we will take our first break. <laughs> Good call. So we'll be back in just a minute. So Ted decides that he needs to start making some second impressions. But what about the cliffhanger about Roxy? Oh, no, she didn't go out. In fact, when I opened the door, she ran away from it as soon as she, she heard the rain. <laughs> All right, I'm glad we could close the loop on that. People were really needing... It was a cliffhanger. <laughs> people were really needing us to close out on that anecdote. So, <laughs> oh, you got me saying so. Ted is thinking about life differently now, so... Who can he... Wait a second. Don't don't skip over something that rings from a, a past story of ours. <coughs> Marshall's first suggestion of what he should rethink is the movie Goonies. <laughs> Which brings us to the question, is Goonies a classic movie or not? I couldn't answer that. I've actually never seen Goonies. Okay. I don't know if you need to see it to know that it's a classic. I think things... At this point from the 80s can be classics Like E.T. I don't think Goonies is quite at E.T.'s level But I think most people Seen it or not would consider Goonies a classic And I got into a blowout fight With one of your best friends that came to visit Well they weren't visiting us But when we were living downtown in the city They were down here for something or another Yes And we were pretty We had been drinking a while And I don't know how Goonies came up But her friend <laughs> said she doesn't like it And I said well you don't have to like it but I, you know, it's it's certainly a classic at this point. And then we got into a huge back and forth over whether it's classic or not. I don't know how that happened. I don't know either. But it got so bad that I think they left. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's how that evening ended. <laughs> and so, in solidarity with my friend, I will never watch Goonies. No, you'll have to watch it with Tyler. <laughs> it is a good Maybe. kids movie. And I think you'll start to recognize a lot of things that Stranger things stole God. from Goonies. I mean, does it track that Ted's never seen Goonies? That seems slightly out of character. I think he's seen it, but we're talking about second impressions. I think he saw it and didn't Oh, like it. yeah, I guess that's true. Barney says there's only two reasons to date a girl again. Or, I'm sorry, not two reasons. Was it two reasons it was or two, two words? Reasons. Two reasons. Breasts and implants. And <laughs> when he said that, that really makes me think of that episode of The Office where Jan comes back into Michael's life <laughs> and the only thing that's different about her is that she very obviously had breast implants. And so he very, you know, he very quickly starts changing his mind about the possibility of getting back together with her. It's just, it's so transparent, the reason why, and it's also transparent the reason why she's come back into the office to show them off to him. Oh, the office. Maybe we'll add that to our list. I don't know. The list is getting big. I would love, you know, if we could schedule this in a lot more frequently, I, I would love to do 10 shows. The only problem is we really have to do it after Tyler goes to bed. Right. And that just really doesn't leave us time for anything, any sort of re- relax, post-child relaxation time in the evenings. This could be our second job. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Folks, if you start donating huge wads of money, we will start <laughs> adding lots of shows on. Uh, maybe we'll set up Patreon. All right. Ted starts going through, or he mentions that what he's really trying to revisit are some women from the past. Oh, wait. I got to point out my continuity error that I caught. 
So as they're talking about Goonies, Marshall, I don't know what Marshall says. I write it down. I always, some, just something about like Goonies. And he's clearly in a corner of the bar. And then the next shot is I'm in their regular booth. Yeah. So, so con- nothing earth shattering, but I just, I actually like when noticed, I catch that. I noticed a continuity error at the very end of the show and I'll, I'll point that Ooh. one out. <laughs> so just to harken back to another show that we love, um, 30 Rock. They have a really good, was it their live show where they're like, you have to make sure the continuity's there. And then they like flip to Liz and she's like drinking a soda and has a scarf on. Do you remember that? No, I don't. (laughs) But I didn't really like their live shows very much. So you just blocked it out? Well, I didn't rewatch them a lot. No, you know what? I don't think it was a live show now that I'm thinking about it. But anyway, (laughs) because of that, I thought it was funny. I'm sorry I can't do a better job of reminiscing on that episode with you. It's okay. I don't remember that episode of The Office you were talking about. So, or even oh, really? But do you remember that Jan, the character Jan got breast implants? Sounds vaguely familiar, but if you would ask me, I wouldn't have been able to say. All right. So he's talking about going back, rethinking some of the women that he's dated, and some suggestions are put out there. One is the first one is Steph. Yep. And Steph had some hard times, so she turned to sex work. Well, is being a porn actress sex work? Yes. I don't know if that... I feel like sex work would be more prostitution, whereby adult film actor is an actor who happens to have sex in the film. I think it falls under the same umbrella. Uh, Yeah, I guess they're kissing cousins, as it were. Ew. (laughs) All right, so cut to now. Cut to now. So Steph... Oh, wait. Yeah, so Steph, the porn star, no good. And then we go to Jack. Oh, did you have more to say about Steph? No, I just, yeah. (laughs) She did what she had to do to make her money, and... (laughs) I'm not mad at her. As Lily says, you know, they're hard workers. She made 175 films, and we didn't really get a timeline for how long that took. Yeah, I've never really tracked how many... I I think, you know, I I had some interest in those... (laughs) professional porn tapes when I was very young, much younger, but it didn't seem like the actors were in a million things. And now maybe it's just reference made to it by how I met your mother, but they always reference porn actors as doing a lot of movies. Oh yeah. That's that's what I'm thinking of. So yeah, that's down the road. Um, but actually there's a really interesting podcast that I listened to kind of about, the porn industry and like how it's changed and how like free porn is kind of like wrecked it for the actual performers or actors or actresses, however you want to uh, call them. Yeah. The amateur porn is much better. Yeah. (laughs) According to a friend of mine. Um, So anyway, I got to look up the name of it because it was really interesting just kind of how everything has changed and that like actually... You used to be able to make money doing porn, and you can't really do that as much anymore. That's why you have to do so many porn f- pornography films to make a living at it. Yeah, apparently. The, I don't, no, it's not. The, is it the butterfly effect? We'll cut part of this out until I figure it out. Well, she's looking for that. I do want to mention a few of the recap podcasts I listened to. We had mentioned the Rob has a podcast. Rob Cesarnino's they they repodcast a number of current shows and they 
they did a great recap of Seinfeld, which, as I had mentioned a couple episodes ago, that's what inspired me. And it was a really good balance. I think we're kind of stealing from it a little bit because it's a really good balance of appreciating the good things but calling out the bad things. There's one I listened to called Binge by Entertainment Weekly, is it? Or E! or something like that. It was Entertainment Weekly. Yeah, where they are just such sycophants and everything's the best scene they've ever seen and every character's the best character they've ever seen on TV. And then there's another one I listened to where it's a Beverly Hills 90210 podcast podcast (laughs) recap where they just seem to hate everything about the show, but they're pretty funny in the way they make fun of it. And they they, they do appreciate maybe like one thing in each episode. But I really liked that show um, sort of nostalgically, and I rewatched it every now and then, and they've sort of ruined it for me by pointing out like how obnoxious a lot of the characters are, how bad so many scenes are, how many times a boom mic appears on the screen. <laughs> So I, I wouldn't want to cover something that I really didn't like, but but we love this show. So, but we're, we will call it out when we when we see something that we dislike. So, what, what's what's the name of that podcast you're looking for? Oh, so it's the Butterfly Effect with John Ronson, and the brief synopsis is: Hear the story of what happened when the tech industry gave the world what it wanted: free porn. Lives were mangled, fortunes were made, all for your pleasure. So it was interesting. It was short. So I think I do want to listen to that. Yeah, it was worth checking out. And <laughs> all right, wait. Go ahead. I was gonna say, just the guy that hosts it sounds so much like uh, the guy who plays Peter Baelish in Game of Thrones, and it kind of threw me for a while. He sounds like Peter Baelish who plays in Game of Thrones. Exactly. So that was an interesting little tidbit to it. <laughs> so now that we've gone completely off the rails, let's get back on track. All right, we covered Steph, and then they go to Jackie. So Jackie's just a straight up uh, murderer. Yeah, it was it was cute the way they played that out. I mean, I mean, I know it's sickening, but just her her, her just joy in retelling the story. And, and did we hear like what was Ted's story that he was relaying? Like, I feel like it wasn't even something about getting wet or jumping into the pool with clothes on, or, or like being embarrassed about something. And her response is, "Yeah, like, yeah, I totally know what you're talking about." Right, it didn't quite match up uh, with with what he was talking about. Okay, and then he gets, somebody mentions Natalie. Yes. Ah, Natalie, and the fuzzy memories. Of (laughs) Belle and Sebastian, and tea candles. Sock monkeys. Yeah, and I like this actress. Her name's Anne Dudek, or Dulek. My my handwriting's not too good on this one, so I'm not quite sure how to pronounce the last name, but I recognize her from a few things. Uh, mostly from being on Mad Men. She was one of the Don and Betty's neighbors on Mad Men. Francie. And fun fact. You know who loves fun facts? You. Me. (laughs) Fun fact, she actually was on an episode of, and I'm not sure where I saw this, I think I probably saw this on trivia on, IMDb, which I hate quoting from, but I'll say it anyways. <laughs> she was on an episode of Friends. No, we saw that episode. No, no, no. We did, well, but I think I read about this before I saw it. Oh, uh, okay. Where I think, was she dating Ross or Joey? Somebody, dumped, she was dating one of the guys and they dumped her on her birthday, <laughs> which is going to be sort of a very interesting parallel to what's going to happen in this episode. I think it had to have been Joey. She was also on, you watched House. She was on a lot of episodes of House. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was. 
And I guess she was on a lot of episodes of Big Love, which neither of us watched. And then after he gets through retelling about Natalie, Barney stands (laughs) up and yells at him. And it's a really late reaction. I guess they just couldn't fit this in. No, I think that totally tracks with Barney where, you know, they're the rest of them are having this conversation (laughs) about other girls. And, oh, yeah, I really liked Natalie. And the whole time Barney's just stewing until he, like, finally boils over. You broke up with a porn star. Friendship. Friendship over. Yeah, he does this a couple times on the (laughs) friendship over and walks out. They never really resolve it. He's just back in the scene the next time. (laughs) But, yeah, it does play better if there's a delay to it. Oh, yeah, totally. But also, with the rhythm, he couldn't have done it right after they said it because it would sort of ruin the continuity of the, right. the recap of his girlfriends. Yeah, I think it's a million times funnier if you <laughs> delay it like they did. It was a good call. We cut to Robin at the news station, and she's going in to see her boss. And she thinks she's about to get that promotion that's going to have her covering City Hall. And her boss is saying, you know, I'm glad you're here. I wanted to talk to you about something important. We got a big assignment for you. He's kind of leading up to you to it. And then... story down at City Hall. Yeah, down at City Hall. And then they cut to it. And she's interviewing a hot dog vendor. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I know um, apparently her news station isn't the best in New York, but... They don't have anything else to report on. Well, she when she meets Ted or the gang, she talks about how she covers the fluff stories. But even the fluff stories in New York City, I think, would be more than a hot dog vendor or ladies that died before their hundredth birthday. Well, if she wasn't covering City Hall, somebody was. It made it sound. I think in this kind of situation, it makes it sound like, oh, now I'm going to get to cover City right. Hall. I don't think she. That's the only thing the news covers. No, no, no. That, that's not what I meant. But just like even their fluff pieces, I would think would be a little bit better than what she's given. Well, it sort of reminds me of personal interest stories. Like, on do, do you remember that Simpsons, where they start a kids news station? And, yeah, and Lisa's doing very serious news and. Uh, Bart just does all these schlocky personal interest story and just says ridiculous things like it really makes you think what was it called like people Bart's people Bart's people (laughs) (laughs) with the crazy cat lady (laughs) when she keeps throwing cats at Lisa (laughs) but she just comes out of nowhere sometimes during the that episode just like a train go by (laughs) and then she just comes out from nowhere and starts throwing cats (laughs) The whole train doesn't come through here very much anymore. <laughs> and then it goes flat by her. Um, yeah, that was a good one. I think we need to have a running poll of like, how many other shows can we reference during this podcast? Oh, yeah. That was the only thing I didn't, that bugged me about, and, you know, Scream, if I already said this, the only thing that bugged me about the Seinfeld recap is there were so many obvious points at which they could have made a Seinfeld reference in their conversation about the Seinfeld and quoted something from it where it had been perfect, and they just let it right go right on by. The problem was they they weren't they they were just they were people that hadn't watched it since it was on the original run, so yeah. they weren't they didn't know it like I did. They didn't have the level of expertise, right? So she clearly irritated that this is the city hall story. She goes ahead and, and adds nipple into her. Delivery. She <laughs> used the guy's you know, reaction. It used to. It costs something now. Like no. two ninety five, and now no, it just costs a nipple. nipple. Did he have a reaction to it? It was just, like it. very subtle, but it's just like kind of like how I think a person would actually react. In like real, just kind of like, gives her a side look. Like, 
yeah, eyebrows kind of go up, and then he smiles. <laughs> just kinda, it was just kind of funny. I missed it, and we catch this a lot as we've rewatched How I Met Your Mother over the years, where it's very important to look at people's facial reactions, because there's some really good face acting. <laughs> yes. Oh, we were talking about two ep- two episodes ago, John Bernthal. Mm-hmm. And how, you know, that must have been one of his early acting gigs uh, when he was Carlos at the party. And I just listened to an interview on Mark Maron's uh, WTF podcast with John Bernthal. Mm-hmm. And man, does he have an interesting background. Uh, he, I think you talked about that. I, we I did a little bit, but what I didn't realize is that, you know, out of at, once he left this area, he went to go study acting in Russia. Oh. And he at, he trained with the Russian Academy of Acting in Moscow. And he just has all these great stories about it. And he's a very interesting guy. He lives in Ohio now and he's like very peaceful, but he had a he got arrested a lot of times for violence. And he said it was usually just him and his friends out and about in DC and just kind of letting themselves get dragged into a fight just cuz someone maybe bumped into someone of his friends or he said that that was really what what the problems were and it was it was a really great interview. If you are looking for another podcast to listen to and like the long form interviews, Mark Maron's are really good. Obviously, although you can probably skip over the first thirty minutes of his of his commentary because it tends to be very rambling. At any rate, yeah, everybody hates rambling. <laughs> As I drone on, okay, we're... Oh, I, I'm sorry. I should go back. Where I feel like that's just totally a front. Like John Barenthal is clearly a. KGB agent now. Like, there's no Russian acting school. Interesting conspiracy theory. Well, you know, they did a lot of, like, Chekhov play. There are, like, really great, famous Russian playwrights. So, there, it makes sense why there is some famous acting academies. Okay. Stan's reason. I feel like I say that a lot. Stan's reason? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll have to start listening for that. <laughs> Drinking game. <laughs> but, um... um <laughs> <laughs> see? We were able to drop a Robin reference right in there, right at the perfect time. That's because we've probably seen every single episode at least and it's ten probably, times. It's probably not as funny when we do it and point it out after we do it. <laughs> okay. It's funny to us. We're at Ted and Marshall's, and Robin is very guilty about dropping the nipple line. Barney wants her to go further. And... Well, before that, Lily said, well, at least it's better than Booger. And then she laughs at herself saying Booger, which I thought was a little stupid. A little bit. And Barney enters and <laughs> makes it pretty funny. You know, it's, is it cold in here? I can see Robin's nickels. I thought yeah. that's a pretty good line. That's good. Then Barney gives this influential speech trying to talk <laughs> her into doing something worse. <laughs> he says something to the effect of, you, me, and Mr. McGee. Again, like Lily's the Greek chorus, <laughs> calling him out. Like, who talks like that? Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a little overboard, but it's funny. And I say, you know, I talk about look at people's faces as they're acting in the show. But Robin's starting to look very seduced by this speech. <laughs> I mean, she hates her job, so. <laughs> yeah, but the look on her face—it just it goes through a range of emotions, and it sort of lands on being sort of seduced by what he's saying. Ooh, maybe early hint of Barney and Robin. Shades of, yeah. 
And then he whispers what he wants you to say in her ear. And Lily just automatically goes, ew. And they look at her and she's like, I just assume. <laughs> I really love the Lily and Barney dynamic. <laughs> she does such a good job of just like calling him out for all of his stupidness. Yeah, we'll get to a point later on where she gets so offended by him that she leaves and doesn't come back for a couple shows. And that was simply her being off for, you know, having <laughs> maternity <baby>. leave. <laughs> but they built that into the story of her getting just overly offended by him. So Ted enters the room, it's the next day, and he's wearing the same shirt. Is it yesterday already? Yeah, Lily has a good line about that. And at this point, you know, it's sort of strange he's wearing the same shirt. No reason to call too much attention to it yet. She she has a good line about it. That could have been it, but, it, but it's not. At this point, Ted's going to call Natalie. And when he calls her, she knows, she remembers him right away and tells him to go to hell. And then he jokes, yep, she remembers me. Well, they ask him what happened. Why would she be mad at him? And he's searching his memory, trying yeah, to remember. Yeah, he doesn't remember this? Yeah. And I mean, I guess he doesn't know to the extent. Well, and it's that. funny, but even in this next you know, minute, it's, he, it completely unravels and <laughs> keeps getting worse and worse and worse. So, you know, why did he break up with her? Because he wasn't ready for a commitment, or maybe it was Marshall that remember that. You weren't ready for a commitment. And Ted, and in, her birthday might have been coming up, and apparently he didn't want to be her her boyfriend on her birthday because then he had to get her that really big boyfriend gift and sort of live that out. So you broke up with her before her birthday? And then he, right before her birthday? No, not before her birthday. Not before her birthday. And then it turns out it's on her birthday, and of course... You know, Lily starts slapping Ted, and how could you do that? And I love Ted's reaction. Lily, the shirt! <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> what did she say? It turns out he was he, he dumped her on her machine. Her answering machine. Yeah, on her answering machine, and that's let's not go any further than that yet. Well, did we know that it was on the phone even? Like, when he first started talking about it, I feel like even, like, the phone was, like, a gradual. Right. And we then get we there. get to the machine... Yeah, we eventually get to the phone, and then we hear his speech, and, you know, you're awesome. <laughs> Just, like, super busy, busy right yeah. now. Which is a line that Jen and I use all the time. <laughs> Anytime we think we're going to say the word busy, we have to we have to go ahead and deliver that line. She's super busy right now. We even <laughs> use that on other people when we're talking to them. <laughs> or if something's that I don't want to do. <laughs> if I need to unload the dishwasher. Just, like, super busy right now. <laughs> And it's the only thing that prevents me from getting angry at her that she's delaying emptying the dishwasher. <laughs> Yay for marriage. Yeah, Jen, we we split jobs. No, nah, we don't need to go into Jen empties the dishwasher, I do the dishes. So ultimately, this I... This is de- not interesting. I depend on her to empty the dishwasher for me to go ahead and do the dishes and put them in the dishwasher. And I got so frustrated, I, I used to have to tell her... Hey, honey, can you can you empty the dishwasher? And she doesn't like being told what to do, <laughs> and so she'd get mad at me for telling for me telling her what to do. So it just got to the point where I was like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna start emptying the dishwasher, which I hate. I'd much rather clean the dishes. I'm gonna start emptying the dishwasher because I'm sick of you getting mad at me to remi- by reminding you to empty the dishwasher. And then eventually, she just got sick of doing dishes, so she said, "Can we switch back?" This is after years, yes. of course. And so now we've switched back. Now you don't get, maybe it's because we're a little older, you're a little more patient now. You don't get mad at me when I remind you, but 90% of the time I do have to remind you. And this has been Marriage Corner. 
Anywho. Yeah, so I love this, like, gradual reveal, and I feel like this is something the show does a decent amount, or it's just, like, a good example of the storytelling within it, where it's just, like, these little bits are revealed, and then a little bit more, and a little bit more, and it's just so good. They slowly peel the onion. Yeah. And just, Lily gets really, really mad at him. Well, I don't blame her, and, you know, at this point, I I think it's... A bad look for Ted, but it gets much, much worse, and we'll get to that when we get to the towards the end. Right. And Marshall makes the argument, well, there's no good way to break up with somebody. Which is true. Yeah, and I think at the end, except for the timing, Ted Ted articulates his problem pretty well to her. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to why that why it still was wrong. Right. But I just have in my notes like it, it's interesting that Lily got so upset about this. Like, Lily's literally never been dumped. Why does she have such a strong opinion? She has a strong opinion pretty much on everything. Yeah. I wrote down about Barney's comment of, Ted, you should have done it in person, where it, it sort of, for a second, seems like Barney's got a soul. And then he says, because then you get the, please oh, don't leave okay. me sex. No, that's just Barney. I, yeah, I, I wrote it down as a good line the first time I, I when I rewatched it last week and then rewatching it today. I was like, ah, that's not that good. No, it's gross, Barney. I think if you as you're getting to know Barney, it's sort of funny because you think well, Barney thinks he should have done it in person, and that <laughs> it's a turnabout. It sort of fools you or tricks you. Yeah, I guess if you haven't seen it a million times, you could think Barney has a redeeming quality. Robin's back to reporting live. I think at this point she's reporting on the. 99-year-old twins that died. Did we and find it, out how they died? I don't think we did. I don't know. I don't think they said. That would be interesting to know. How do you think they died? I want to say fire, but it clearly wasn't fire. So no. I don't know why. Why would you want to say fire? Just because... No, I just... <laughs> for whatever reason, like, the scene makes me think of that, and I don't know why. It could have been a murder-suicide. <laughs> oh, God. It's dark. They were just depressed about turning 100. No. And were like, let's not do it. <laughs> Could it have been uh, monoxide, carbon monoxide poisoning? Ooh, that's a good one. I mean, I think it was probably just, like, heart attacks. Simultaneous heart attacks? Well, I mean, Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds, like, weren't they one day apart? Yeah. Although I think Carrie Fisher's had to do with her taking drugs again, doing drugs again. Yes. Unfortunately. Okay. Right after she says her dirty line which is I'm a dirty dirty girl and then slaps her own hip and then says ouch I kind of wonder if ouch was scripted or (laughs) whether kind of she kind of hurt herself for a second and just let it go and they kept it in there yeah that's the only even vaguely okay part of that I don't know I don't like this storyline at all, really. Okay, so we'll, we'll work through it a little faster, but her producer does come over and says that <laughs> the station manager wants to speak with her. Now, does the does the producer hear her? The woman that I comes mean, over? She had to have, or... She doesn't say anything to maybe her. Maybe she just tuned it out, like she wasn't paying any attention. And they cut right to her and her boss's office, and her boss, uh, you think he's going to come down on her, but he's just <laughs> got some concerns about a noise his dog's <laughs> making, and he imitates this noise. It sort of sounds like a bad Donald Duck impression. I'm trying to remember, because I had the closed like, caption on. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. And he goes, what should, what, you have dogs, what would you do? And she says, take them to the vet. Genius. Genius. 
And she asks if he's seen, if, she, if he saw the broadcast. She's like, oh, yeah, you're a superstar. You're great. Everyone loves you. And then she realizes, of course, that even her boss doesn't watch her show. Oh, my God. But that's just so ridiculous. Like, <laughs> And again, it's sitcom stuff. But, like, he calls the producer to be like, I need Robin in the office right now. Like, he can't just call Robin and be like, Robin. My dog's <laughs> making some noise. Yeah. Because they had to build the suspense for this story. Okay. We are at Natalie's. Ted goes over to Natalie's to try and apologize in person because she won't take his calls or talk to him over the phone. He knocks on the door. She goes up to look through the peephole, and there's a sock monkey that then leans in and looks back at her through the other side of the peephole, which I thought was funny, but there's absolutely no way Ted could have... Well, I mean, I guess maybe he could have seen her, the shadow of her feet under her door, but it seems unlikely that he would have been able to time that so well. I don't know. Maybe you could hear her walking up to the door. Could be. I don't know. <laughs> All I could think of, it's New York City. You don't, you presumably live in an apartment. You don't know who's at your door and they have a sock monkey. Like, don't answer that door. <laughs> the oldest trick in the book. <laughs> you have any sock monkey murders? <laughs> there are. I'm going to write that book. I think a sock monkey attacked Jesse Smollett. Ooh, hard hitting. <laughs> Um, and then he, he tries, he fools her that he's leaving. He says, I'm going to leave this sock monkey and I'll just leave. And then he tries to make the walking away sounds, which somehow she falls <laughs> for. She my, my she think, is really due to get murdered. Like, I, I think the, well, that's why she's trained. But oh, we'll get, true. we'll get there. Um, she must really love sock monkeys because <laughs> first of all, that was a horrible, I'm walking away. But her desire for that sock monkey was <laughs> weighed so heavily on her that she couldn't not go look at for it, look for looking for it right away. <laughs> she immediately has to open the door. And miraculously, Ted talks his way inside. Yes. Although he's a little creepy with the stopping her from closing the door. Yes. As we're learning, women don't like that and no. never did. No, don't do stuff like that. And he, I, even wor- well, first of all. He says he knows how bad it was the way he broke up with her. And then she stops and says, actually, you have no idea. And then he hears the rest of the story, which leads to, I think, up to this point in the show, the best scene we've seen so far for the show, which is they flash to him leaving the message on the messing machine and they start to expand outward and further back in the room of her apartment with the message going off and clearly all her friends are in her apartment waiting for her to come in and hearing this message getting ready to surprise her for her birthday and then she comes in and it's uh everyone's surprise I think only one person even says it and she has no idea what's going on and the look on her face is kind of like I think it's just she she nails the look like what's okay I see what's going on (laughs) but why are you acting weird about it and Ted's angry that he wasn't invited to the... <laughs> People think I can't keep a secret. But not the point. He recovers pretty quickly. And then, you know, his saying self-respect is overrated through the sock monkey after she says, you must think I have no self-respect. I can't believe that works. Yeah. She is so charmed by his talking through the sock monkey. This woman is just obsessed <laughs> with sock monkeys. I mean, get away with anything with a sock monkey. Oh, I want to go back to something because... Oh, no, 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 we're not there yet. Okay, let's keep going forward. So we are, we, we cut to them in bed together 
which I didn't remember, and I think you didn't either, because maybe on the TV version they don't show this, but on the Hulu version they did. Yeah, like the syndicated version cuts some things out. And it's not dirty. I mean, there's a little bit of kissing, and you see sh- naked shoulder, but that's about it. And then, he, you know, he, he just he kind of runs back through the tea. Tea candles. Tea candles, sorry. Sock monkeys and the Bell and Sebastian song, which I, I don't think I've ever heard of Bell and Sebastian until this Oh no! Don't they reference Bell? They reference Bell and Sebastian in uh, High Fidelity, mm-hmm. a movie, one of my top ten favorite movies of all time. And there's two Bell and Sebastian songs on the Juno soundtrack. Oh really? Watched. Yes. Okay, and then they cut over to McLaren's, and they're all there, and she's with them. And and everybody loves Natalie, and she she's and he's best. wearing the shirt. I think we can assume at this point that it might be two days, a week later or so. Yeah, Maybe. I mean, they end up dating oh, no, for no. three weeks. Okay, yeah, you're right. So it's a few weeks at this point, and he's wearing the shirt again. Now, at least it's a few weeks later. Right, but, so he's not wearing it every day for a week. But he's wearing a lot around her. <laughs> and they, they never really explain why this shirt, why he, he keeps wearing this shirt. Now, he might have a small wardrobe, so he got back dry cleaning, puts the shirt back on. That's a no, possibility. They do stuff on occasion with Ted's wardrobe. And I'm going to try to pay attention to it as it goes forward. But I know, like, there was one episode, he had shades of purple on the whole time. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I, I mean, this was very, very much a clear choice. Like, the shirt and Natalie oh, were no. synonymous. And- I, I know that it was a choice, a clear choice by the writers or the producers or director or whatever. But I'm trying to, like, talk about him as like, the character. Yeah. He just really likes his shirt. He just remembered that he had it. He's going to wear it every opportunity he can. So she's got to go. She's got to leave them. She's got to go to Krav Maga class, <laughs> which we later learn is a form of martial arts, which we here in this house know because I've been training it for the last four years. What are you? Black belt level? Oh, or... no, no, no. <laughs> Wait, what? what I, I don't understand because it, like... Other martial arts have belts. Yeah, Krav Maga didn't traditionally have belts associated with it, but I guess because when it came to America, everyone that takes martial arts earns belt levels. But we just call them levels. You're level one, two, three, four. And then they started to, I think, reverse engineered into having a belt associated with it. So I'm, you know, level four, I'm a green belt. My next test will be to get to level five, and I'll then I'll be a... Brown, or I'm sorry, a, a blue belt, and then there's brown, and then there's black. Well, where are all these belts? Yeah, th- we don't really have belts. They don't give you <laughs> one. We don't, and we don't wear geese because we're doing, it's, as they explain later, it's street fighting. It's sort of a combination of jujitsu and Muay Thai with weapons defense. And so you're supposed to be prepared to do this on the street. Geese which is what you sort of see the traditional karate or kung fu mm-hmm. person wearing in training or even jiu-jitsu, they don't factor into our fighting training. So that's where you would wear a belt is around a gi. Then why do they call them belts? I think just to sort of give it a comparative skill level to other kinds of martial arts, hmm. I guess. I don't know. If I were you, I'd demand some belts. But it's a lot of fun. It's, you it's around the house. a lot of kicking in the crotch. And once you get further for, far enough along, there's a lot of... Um, Light, uh, light, heavy sparring, so you get a lot of practice in actual combat. So it's 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 a good workout, and it's it's gives you a lot of confidence. And sometimes so, you get punched in the face. I get punched in the face quite often, actually. Sometimes kicked in the head. 
they all compliment her as she walks away, and you know, <laughs> Bronnie's like, she's good times. <laughs> That's sort of a weird way to say it, but not bad. It's actually a pretty decent compliment for Barney because he's not talking about her physically in any yeah. way. Right, yeah, actually that is very unusual. And then right away, Ted responds that he has to break up with her. And Lily hits him some more. Yeah, well, why couldn't you leave that poor girl alone? <laughs> that was pretty funny. So he reveals it's been weeks, but he doesn't feel that thing. He's not, you know, she's just not the one, which he comes out to say, but as he's trying to explain it, he says it's it's ineffable. Great word. <laughs> now, be honest, before this episode, had you ever heard the word ineffable before? No. <laughs> Nor I. I think I've sadly used it a couple times. I think it's okay to build your vocabulary off sitcoms. It's just fine. <laughs> and it is a great word. It's, you know, I'd like to describe how great it is, but it's ineffable. <laughs> Try a great word. <laughs> And they're trying to, they're talking about ways in which he should break up with her. I like Barney has a line. Well, she's probably on the subway now. <laughs> you can <laughs> give her a call, message. leave her a message. <laughs> hey, Natalie, you're dumped. But click. And they go into the classic Seinfeld, it's not you, it's me. Yeah, they start going through the, the range of uh, stereotypical breakup lines. And Lily says, you know, why don't you just be honest with her? And I like... Barney, who says, they all laugh when she says that and says, seriously, honey, men are working here. <laughs> I'm surprised she actually takes that. She doesn't come back yeah, at them. that's true. Because she could have said something like, are you sure? Or are you? Or are they? Something. Something. Questioning that, you know, if you were a man, you'd just man up and do this. And he says, you know, the ultimate reveal is she's just not the one. Right. And so, you know, Lily likens it to winning the lottery. Yeah. That, you know... What are the chances of finding the one? Six billion to one or whatever. And <laughs> this is something that comes down the road in an, at least one other episode where it's like somebody explains something eloquently and then the second person trying to execute it just flubs it terribly. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, are you serious? When uh, <laughs> Barney's trying to tell Marshall about how... To not have to do the dishes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So it, the run through of it, the talking of it, goes makes it sound like it's gonna. It's a perfect plan. Then the actual <laughs> delivery of it goes horrible. Yes, you're right. I I can't wait till we get to that. Uh, Robin comes in and mentions that she just honked her boobs, signed off by honking her boobs. Now that I would have liked to have seen. No, this is so Barney's next challenge he gets up and does what's I guess known as the Iggy Shuffle which I believe is a, must be the, the, the touchdown dance of that football player who played for what did they say the Cincinnati is that Cincinnati cut him so I don't know where he went after that it seems strange to me now there's there's still just establishing Barney's character but he doesn't seem like the person I would know that much about football yeah I have that in my notes too like that's not a thing that Barney's into he gambles a lot, but whenever they reference, like, he's never watching sports anywhere unless he's got a bet on it, but that comes up so rarely. And really, except for Marshall being a fan of the Vikings, they never really cover much sports. They, they sort of oscillate back and forth between the guys knowing absolutely nothing or right. being a big fan. Like, Ted comes in and at some point in, in future 
much future episodes and calls the uniforms the costumes, costumes? The Jessica new costume and yet he says that all his dad and him talk about can talk about her is baseball right so a little inconsistent yeah that's that's one of the few flaws here all right so the Icky Shuffle was a touchdown celebration performed by NFL fullback Albert Icky Woods who played for the Cincinnati Bengals this move led to the NFL creating a rule designating it and similar moves as excessive celebration and subject to penalty. But I think that's gone now. I think you're allowed to celebrate again. Yeah, I forget. I think it's like not more than one person doing it. So no, they can do more than... I think that maybe that was the rule at one point because remember this season, we're big Steelers fans, um, but there was a few like team things in the end zone. Like I think at one point they were like... We're pretending to paddle a canoe or I feel like frog or there was some a couple things I can't remember exactly. Yeah, we'll have to look up the rules for that. So in case you and I ever score a touchdown, we don't <laughs> we don't break them. We go to Ted and Natalie at dinner, and <laughs> she reveals to him that it's her birthday because she got not one, not two, but three cake celebrations at her office at work. And then he's like, oh, crap, it's your birthday, because he knew he was going to break up with her. I mean, I feel like the party planning committee really <laughs> dropped the ball on this. Yeah, it really screwed the pooch on that one. I mean, I guess it's better than no cake. And, you know, she's like, it's okay, I wasn't telling people. You already gave me the best gift anyone could ever give me. I can trust again, which is really building this up. Such a good line. <laughs> and, and, then he, and then he has a line that you and I tend to repeat a lot, which is the waiter comes and he, and he says, oh, so much more wine. <laughs> And whenever you and I say it, we emphasize the wrong word. We always say so much, so much more wine or so much more wine. But he, he emphasizes the much. We've been doing it wrong. Um, I like our way. Now I can't remember how we do it anymore because now I'm thinking of the way he's doing it. But right. Oh, so much more wine. We cut over to Robin's interview and it's a sweet little old man. It's a handsome cab ride, ride uh, driver. Now, have you ever done a handsome cab in New York City? No. Is it Hanson or Handsome? I don't understand. Oh, what this good thing question. Is. I always thought it was Handsome. All right. We, will look we this have up to look too. this up. We can't let this go. So, I, when I was in New York last month, I actually saw one. And, don't cover your mouth when you talk. Um, I saw one, but I don't know how much that costs. And all I can think of is, again, Seinfeld and Rusty and maybe Rusty. somebody fed him beefarino. I've done a handsome cab ride in New York City once, I think. And then remember, you and I did like the pedicab through Central Park. Oh yeah, that was nice. You yeah, remember the guy was telling us what movie? As he, he was sort of trying to be a talking tour guide, mm-hmm. as he was taking us through, and he was telling us what movies had been shot, had seen shot in, in uh, Central Park, and he mentions Madagascar. <laughs> and I was like, um, it's clearly he had a script he was reading off of that they had given, like someone had shared with him to to be able to drop some knowledge. He didn't realize that Madagascar was an animated film <laughs> and didn't actually shoot in New York City. And I could I should have let it go, but I did call him out on that. I was like, Mad- you realize Madagascar is a cartoon, right? <laughs> but he goes, oh, sorry. But the animals were from. The Central Park Zoo. They were, nevertheless. <laughs> it wasn't done on... I don't think they drew <laughs> the animation on site. Cut the guy a break. He's just trying to make a buck. Hey, you know what? Why do you Why do you never take my side anymore? <laughs> um, so it is Handsome Cab, H-A-N-S-O-M. Okay, that's what I thought. Handsome Cab. So no, I've never done that. Next time we go to New York, we'll put it on the list. It's overrated. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that much fun. Okay, so... 
Robin's interviewing this sweet little old handsome cab rider. She's trying to find, you know, ask him what's what's been the most exciting thing that ever happened to you. But did you see her face? <laughs> this is more like good face acting, where as he's initially talking, like Mickey Mantle rode in the cab for the fourth time. Um, her face is just like deadpan. <laughs> She's so bored. You would think that Mickey Mantle the first time would be the most exciting, <laughs> not the fourth time. That's what makes it funny. Is it? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I could see it being like you know, it, it was so many times it was exciting, but really the fourth time couldn't be better than the first. But just her face is so good. Yeah, she's bored, and then he mentions that this is the most exciting moment in his life. Yeah, and it's story told on TV. He gets to be on TV, and he's happy. And, and Robin like gets all full of pride herself, and, and falls, and then falls right into a big pile of horse crap. Right, and then. Oh my god, it's in my hair. And there's some pretty good, you know, things it's just she's overblown. Out <laughs> like the reaction to her falling. Now we're back at the restaurant. Oh, we know we have to go back. So Barney knows something's coming. I don't did we know what he asked? Oh, the icky shuffle she was supposed to do. Right. So he has the bar put the TV on and so the entire bar watches this happen. Yeah. So just stick a pin in that cuz we'll come back to it. Yeah. Okay, if we have to. We're at the restaurant, it and... It leaves one of my favorite lines. Oh, it does? Okay. Well, then we'll definitely come back to that. We're at the restaurant, and Natalie's telling Ted about her family's Alabama crawfish boils, which sounds like heaven to me, and obviously hell to Jen, because Jen hates seafood. That really sounds like my worst nightmare. And I, I think crawfish would be especially offensive to her. I just can't even imagine. Don't don't eat things that look like bugs. I've only had crawfish once. It was okay. It, they were like tiny. It was like the tiniest little lobster. And didn't you have something with crawfish when we went to New Orleans? Oh yeah, I had the craw- crawfish etouffee. But I mean, I've had actually like the crawfish where you have to break it open. Ugh, gross. Apparently, like there's something. There's a thing where you suck the brains out. Oh or my suck god, the heads. are you serious? But I don't. I never really learned how to do that. That's horrifying. Just so you know this about us, I am extremely experimental in my food expo- exploration, and Jen is really very cautious and has uh, texture not, issues. I'm and, not cautious. I know what I like and what I don't like. And she doesn't like anything spicy. She likes fairly, I don't want to say bland, but... I don't like spicy. Right. And I don't like seafood. And I don't like mushrooms. And that's about it. When she, first of all, I, I pointed this out to you, as she's talking, she's using her hands a lot, like holding <laughs> them up, and she has ginormous hands. I mean, she seems pretty tall. She does, but her hands are like a character out of Greek mythology. <laughs> she has enormous hands. Uh, okay, I stole that from Seinfeld, but nevertheless, <laughs> they, weren't, they weren't man hands, though. They were very thin, but they were just very long. Maybe we should somehow turn this into a combo How I Met Your Mother Seinfeld podcast. No. I'm pretty sure we haven't gotten an episode without reference. We can stray, but we'll we'll always <laughs> dedicate this one to How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, so Ted gets into this really, actually, like, quite thoughtful speech of just, like, you know, you're not... Agreed. And I, I felt like he probably could have avoided doing this now, except for now she's talking about introducing him to her family. And I think that might have been... Yeah, he still could have waited. A bridge too far for him. Oh, no. 100%. There's no way he should have done this to her here. In a public place, on her birthday, again. Um, This was horrible. This was a really bad choice by him. And it's a testament to how likable his character ends up being. That 
you don't hate him after this because this is right. really crappy. But I also think it plays into like Ted really sees himself as like the nice guy, and why can't I find anybody? And you know what, Ted, you can kind of be a bit of a check off sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You don't break up with someone on their birthday. I don't care how... Just avoid them on their birthday. Just don't break up with them. <laughs> um, don't break up with someone on a holiday, like Valentine's Day or Christmas. Or I mean, I think it should be a given. Like, definitely don't break up with somebody twice on their birthday. And I get it. He didn't remember that it was going to be her birthday. Right. But that's no excuse. Just get... Suffer through the dinner. Break up with her the next day. This isn't a killer. Or just leave another voicemail. That probably would have been better. Okay. With all that being said, this is a fantastic scene. Oh, yeah. This is so, so well done. And it's another thing where it sort of unravels on him. <laughs> he's trying so hard. He thinks he's doing the right thing. It's like a sinking crescendo of explanations. And it just keeps getting worse and worse. It starts off with, you know, you're just not the one. You know, how it's so, you know, I, I want to explain this to you, but it's ineffable. And she says... I'm not effable? Yeah, right. No, it's just hard to explain. What, I'm too stupid? <laughs> and then... Uh, no, he, no, he says, no, ineffable means it can't be explained. Oh, what am I, I, too stupid to understand? And then he goes, it's like... No, it's like winning the lottery. <laughs> Wait, so dating's you like winning the lottery? He's like, what's happening here? And then, I, and then she goes, I'll tell you what's happening, and then goes into her crushing speech against him and then he, he he has no response so he just reverts right back to the I'm just super busy <laughs> and again like the face acting I guess just acting but just like her face like the pure rage on her face is just <laughs> incredible and that's when he learns what you know, he, he thought <laughs> he thought Krav Maga he didn't know what it was even though he referenced her going to a Krav Maga class he thought it was something like yoga I could see it sort of like, like I didn't know what Pilates was for the longest time until someone sort of explained it's like yoga with a rope or something. I don't think that's right. <laughs> Maybe not, but at any rate. So then she, she you know, uh, sidekicks him. <laughs> and then rains, blows. Yeah, we, we don't see it right away. We kind of, you know, she throws a spaghetti on him. She kicks him from across the table after, you know, he says he's super busy. And then they fade away and we were back at McLaren's. And there was a weird scene that was on the Hulu version that I watched, but not on... I've never seen it on the TV version where she comes in, she sits down, and two guys send her a drink, and then they're sort of mocking her and making fun of her voice, uh, when, repeating what happened or things she said after she fell in the, the horse poop. Yeah, that was worth cutting. It was. It was... Uh, I'm not sure why it was ever put in there, but oh well. I think just to emphasize, like, the entire bar saw what happened, and she's super embarrassed. Agreed. And so Ted comes walking in, <laughs> just looking a mess. Extremely roughed up. He's got, you know, bruises and scrapes on his face. <laughs> his poor shirt is his destroyed. Shirt, yes. <laughs> sleeves torn off. There's a, there's a part here where Barney has a drink, and he... It must be like a martini because there's a there's a olive on a on a toothpick and he pulls it out and he eats the olive and they cut back to him and he's got the olive right back there in ah. the drink again so another continuity thing we don't we're not looking out for these but when it's that obvious we have to call it out and Robin doesn't you know sort of stops them from telling what happened to her and then as Ted <laughs> sort of 
pouring out his soul, he reveals that he did see what happened to Robin, and he's got internet on his phone now. <laughs> and that's one of my favorite lines. My phone has the internet now. Yeah, well, and we're I think we're like 2006 at this point, or maybe still. It might still be five. I'm trying to think the first time I got internet on a phone, because I remember I bought my first cell phone right when I got out of college, so that would have been 97, and I didn't realize that I had flip phones for so long, and it wasn't always <laughs> flip, like... There were the ones that just had sort of a... You'd actually pull an antenna up. Oh, jeez. But it wasn't a flip. It was just sort of like a, a boxy thing. A small boxy kind of thing. Well, remember when we first started dating and you sold your Audi and it had a car phone in it? Yeah, but car phones were sort of over after I... You know, by the time I bought the Audi, even though it was like a brand new model. Oh, really? These, yeah, these, the Audi TT convertibles had just come out. And I have no idea why this thing had a car phone attached to it. <laughs> what year was it? I think it was uh, either a nine. Uh, no, I bought it in two thousand and one, and so it was probably two thousand. Hmm. Yeah, I'm surprised I put a car phone in that. Yeah, me too. And I asked, you know, can I get one without it? And you know, if, basically they try and sell you what they have on the lot if you want something specially put right. away for a few months. So yes, I had a car phone. Every once in a while, someone would actually hit a button on it and would give this loud screeching noise through the speakers. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, I never had it activated, so I never actually used it. It was just, and I had that car for nine years. So, imagine that I bought the car in two thousand and one, <laughs> and by two thousand ten, I still had it. In two thousand ten, I had a big old fat car phone in my car. <laughs> like I never was going to oh, pay to have it God. removed. And after a while, right. it was just sort of something that was kind of kitschy. It's a fun talking point. <laughs> so I just, you know, it dates the show, but I just love it. Like, <laughs> and to think back, like, wow, yeah, there. I don't, my phone didn't have the internet in 2005. I don't think I got one that had the internet until I moved here in 2009. I got a job when I went to work for a company called Gardner. And I'm trying to remember what year that was. I want to say it was 2008. They got, they gave me a Blackberry and that Blackberry had the internet on it. Yeah, that was my first internet-enabled phone. It was a BlackBerry Storm. It had a cool, like, touchscreen that had, um, what's it called, haptic. I don't know what you're talking about. Where you, like, push it in and it has, like, the response. Like, on the iPhone, this thing, it was kind of like that, but on the whole screen. So if I tap something, it would, like, kind of indent in. Uh, I just don't remember that. I don't remember that feature. At any rate... I forget, I, I think I forgot to look at what next week's episode is. Did you take a look? I did not, but I can. But, so it turns out Natalie ends up married with three kids. Oh, I did want to mention one more thing. The last view of him looking up, you know, you see his <laughs> point of view and her raining blows down on him. She's doing uh, what we call a hammer. <laughs> nice. Hammer punches. Where it's sort of the side of your fist coming down like a hammer. And that is actually something we do train in Krav Maga when you're on top of somebody to come down with those hammer fists. It doesn't, it prevents you from breaking your hand on them. That's funny. I'm glad that they use like actual Krav Maga moves. All right. So next week is OK Awesome. Right. Ted and Barney go out oh, to the clubs with okay. Robin as Lily and Marshall go to an adult wine and cheese party. So the adult wine cheese party part is really funny, but the club the part is really, really bad. bad. <laughs> it's got some really bad Barney stuff. There's a couple good lines involving Barney, but it, I, I think I remember him referring to women as cutlets. Oh, God, yeah. It's just so cringe. It's really bad. But it's worth it for the tannins. Oh, yeah. the, the Freaking tannins. The 
Lily and Marshall trying to be grown-ups now <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it's just really good, and we, we we steal a lot of stuff from that in our everyday life and our in our conversations. So yes. that overall episode, not so good, but there will be some fun stuff to talk about. Maybe we can yada yada our way through the, the club stuff and just focus oh, a little hope. more. Yeah, it's really bad. So, dear listeners, may the road ahead be lit with dreams and tomorrows, which are lit with dreams also. Stand tall, New York. Trustworthy. Recycling. Wear a condom. I think we need to start coming up with a couple things to add in that are more I know, I was time, trying to think about, timely. like, what do we got going on in the world today? Um, a lot. It, just everything's Don't so sensitive. make up hate crimes. <laughs> yeah, everything's so sensitive for Don't now. Don't lie for the president. <laughs> Did you see uh, Trudeau, Canada's prime minister, is in hot water for trying to influence their attorney general to not prosecute uh, a company? That they don't want, that he doesn't want to leave Quebec. Are you serious? Yeah, it's really ugly. They, they, this this might take him down pretty quickly. Oh, Canada, you're supposed to be better than us. <laughs> yeah, everything's so sensitive. And also, I'm afraid that a hot take now is going to be a racist or a sexist or... There's going to be ists in ten years from now that <laughs> don't exist so. today. There's, It's going to be like, I don't know, what's, what's a bizarre oh. offense that could be in ten years from now that we don't have now? Poor white man problems. White men are going to be the offended parties <laughs> in 10 years from now where it's going to be so bad for them that they actually can start claim, playing a race card. You live such a difficult life, it, having to be so politically correct all the time. I know. It's not fair. Okay. Well, thanks, thanks folks, and we will be back next week, so we look forward to delivering some more hilarious and insightful reviews of How I Met Your Mother. And not at all rambling. (laughs) So long. Good night.